Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Today we begin our series, Dangerous Prayers, and we're going to just start it off just by sharing something quickly with you, if you want to turn your eyes that direction. Heavenly Father, as hard as this is for me, I'm asking you to search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. God, test my motives. Reveal to me my anxious thoughts. Show me anything in me that offends you. God, I want to see in me what you see in me, so I can become more like Jesus. God, I ask you to search me. Would you stand with me for our scripture reading? It's going to be Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. Psalms verse 39, 23 and 24. And this is our dangerous prayer for today. We're going to be doing a three a three series three part series and in this series we're going to be talking about search me oh god and then we're going to be do- dealing next week with break me that's a difficult prayer to pray isn't it but it's a beautiful prayer because on the other side of broken is resurrection amen Jesus had to go into a tomb to kick the end out for us to be resurrected. Amen. He came out of that grave, and I'm glad that he was broken so we could feel what we just felt in this place. He was inviting us in by his crucifixion and his resurrection. So we're, we're going to pray, break me next week. We're gonna, then the following week, we're going to pray about send me. And sending me is about not asking God, Lord God, use me how I want to be used. But literally giving God a, a contract, a free and open contract and say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I'll be used however you want to use me. I'm going to give you free reign to my life and would you send me? And that's going to be a powerful session as well. And I just think that God is in this. I really do believe God's in this. Praying beforehand, I just started seeking God and he said, well, this is my house and my house was supposed to be called a house of prayer. And so he said, "Why don't you know?" And I felt really, really encouraged by that. So we went ahead and we did this series. And so I just want to make sure you understand that we're not talking about convenient prayers when we talk about dangerous prayers. We're not talking about easy, benign, you know, just expected everyday prayers. We're talking about dangerous prayers that change our lives. Amen. And yes, we have some graphics that we've sourced online, and, and, and I appreciate all the work of the tech team. Would you give them a big hand putting this together for us? They've done a tremendous job. And while you're clapping, would you, would you help me thank the worship team for doing an amazing job today? Tremendous, tremendous job. They're using their talents. They come here early in practice. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Psalms 139. Verse 23 and 24 is what we're going to huddle around for a few weeks here. And this is a powerful verse. It's just, there's going to be three different prayers, but this is the one that we're going to kick off with. And it is, search me, O God, and know my heart. I'm reading in a translation of the NLT translation. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Everyone say anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Wow, that's an amazing prayer, isn't it? And lead me along the path of everlasting life. 
One translation says the way of everlasting life. Can we read it all together as a prayer in a in a heart of prayer here as we're going into the word of God? Would you begin with me in verse 23? Whatever version you have, that's fine. We'll begin together. Ready? Go. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you help us as we launch this series of dangerous prayers? If you if you would instruct us, Lord God, on how to pray. Lord God, your spirit is one thing that gives us the will to play, pray, but it also is a teacher, Lord God, that teaches us how we should pray. And would you instruct us and teach us today in your word, in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I want to challenge you today to pray dangerous prayers. And in praying dangerous prayers, I, I want you to know that it's not the prayers we talk about where we're, where we're talking about, Lord, bless me. <laughs> bless me is really safe, okay, Jordan? Uh, bless me is one of those prayers that we pray on a regular basis, but it's a safe prayer. Protect me. How many have ever prayed protect me? Got in the car, got everything packed for the vacation, and you do the, the bless me prayers on the way out the drive? Yes. Those prayers are safe prayers, right? Those are very safe prayers. And then, and then of course, the protect us, the bless us, the, the, the be with me prayer. Lord, would you be with me? That, that kind of prayer, is, it's just so safe. It doesn't really call us to anything, but calls him to be responsible over us. And we should pray those prayers. But the thing we also should learn how to pray is prayers that really impact our hearts and our souls. Prayers that really change us. Amen. David was facing persecution by his enemies, uh, the enemies of God, and he claimed, he claimed that he wasn't, that they said that he wasn't faithful. And he said, and this prayer came out of that particular moment where his enemies were saying, you're not, you're not really faithful to God. And he said, Lord, if, if you know me better than anything, Lord, would you search me, oh God, and, and know my heart. Test, um, how many like tests? I'm not really a good test taker. How about you? I never was a good test taker. But David's like, test me, O God, and, and, and see if there's any fearful or anxious ways in me. He was like asking God to really search him. And so I want to start with that first part about search my heart. I want to say search my heart. And he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Why, why would we ask the question to God to, to search our hearts? That seems like a strange question, doesn't it? A little bit odd. Why, why do we need to ask God to search our heart? Well, the reason is because we actually don't have good hearts. Did you know that? Our hearts are not naturally good hearts. I mean, you, you've probably said it to, about people, and maybe you've said it about somebody you met or, or some, some other person you met, and you actually say, yeah, they have, they have a good heart. Any, anybody ever heard that? Oh, man, she's got a great heart. What a servant, or, or he's got a good heart. Well, the truth of the matter is the Bible doesn't support that statement. It actually tells us in Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked desperately wicked who really knows how bad it is so why would we ask God to search our heart it's because our heart is not is not a heart that runs after God all the time we have to actually search 
search our heart. One place in scripture says that a wise man, it's also in the Psalms as well, it says a wise man will search the inner things of himself and will draw out of the well that is within him the deeper things that are that have to do with life's issues. And then another place in the scripture, it talks about that we should guard our heart because out of our heart comes the issues of life. Anybody have any issues? Guess where those issues the Bible says come from? It says it comes from the heart. So yes, when you're praying dangerous prayers, it's really important that you start with search me, O God, and know my heart. That's what David wanted God to do. So he said, God, would you please search me? How many know we have a tendency to, to lie as children? Anybody ever had to teach your children to lie? Is there like a class that you taught your two-year-old not to, to hide the cookie when they got it or to hide something when they stole it or when they didn't share and they have it all hidden behind them? There's, there's nothing that we, that we have to do to teach ourselves to lie. And so how many have ever, admittedly, if you'd like to raise your hand, how many have ever lied in here before? I think we've got, okay, keep your hands up. Keep your, anybody that's lied? Okay, now look around at the people that are not holding their hands up. And say, liar, liar, pants up. A few of you, <laughs> a few of you threw your hands up real quick after that. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You know, the funny thing is, it's, it's within human heart to always try to hide something when we feel like we've been caught. It's a, it's a natural thing. And so we, we tend to lie because it it's, seems to be easier to lie than it is to tell the truth. How many know it's harder to live the truth than it is to live a lie? Now, that is true because you feel that way. You feel like, if I just lie my way out of this, it'll be better. But actually, the opposite is true. It is harder to live a lie than it is to live the truth. Because you have to remember all the lies that you have told to link them all together or you really mess up, amen? It's a snowball effect. So what you have to realize is if you just tell the truth every time, you don't ever have to think up, how many lies did I tell? Who did I tell that lie to? And now you have a problem because you have to remember all the people that you talked to to tell that lie. Instead, if you just told the truth, it's actually an easier life to live, even though it's hard maybe at first, it's overall an easier life and a more blessed life. And that's why it's important that we search our heart because we don't just have a tendency to want to lie to others. Really, the most common lies are the ones we tell ourselves. We can, de we can deceive, but we can also be deceived. And a lot of times we tell ourselves things, well, I, I, don't, I don't eat that much. I just, excuse me for a minute. I, just, I don't eat a lot. I just... I don't eat that unhealthy while you're sitting in the drive-thru of a fast food restaurant. I really don't eat that bad. I don't, you know, I, I'm not that materialistic. I just like nicer things, you know. I just like the finer things of life. And I'm not, you know, I, I don't have an anger problem. What's the matter with you? I don't have an anger problem, you know. You definitely don't have an anger problem. I don't gossip. I don't talk about others. I'm just letting people know so they can pray for them. <laughs> I, I, I'm not critical. You're such an idiot. I'm not critical. We have all of these things that we convince ourselves and deceive ourselves that we don't do, but yet we do do them. I, I don't have a lust problem. I just like an athletic physique. <laughs> 
That is not true. You are actually deceiving yourself. And in doing so, you have to realize that you are hurting yourself. And, and, and truly, you have to ask God, where are those deceptions in myself? And would you search me, O oh God, to find those? Because I might think I'm doing good, and really I'm not. And God knows. Amen? His word is sharp and powerful. If you get into his word, it'll start dividing things out in your life and putting things on one side saying, that's not good for you, and putting things on the other side and saying, you need to do this. The word of God is very powerful and very sharp, and it, it tends to change us when we start seeking God with our whole heart and praying prayers like David prayed. And I'm glad that the word of God records this prayer so that we can all pray it. And when we get done here today, we're going to take this prayer with us. And I'm challenging you to take this prayer and pray it all week and watch what God does. I began to pray a prayer much like this. I was young. I, I, you, some of you know my story. I grew up in Alaska. And we lived in Alaska, and then we moved to California, and then we lived in Alaska, and then we moved out to Idaho and Oregon, and then back to Alaska. And we just kind of jumped back and forth over the water, you know, Juneau and Fairbanks and Alaska, and then back to California, a few different places. And I really enjoyed living in different places, but it was difficult because you had to change schools, Tanner, every like six, eight months. And so then I was constantly losing all my friends, you know? So I grew up with this whole feeling of loss and I hate loss. I hate losing anybody. Any relationship that separates from me, I, I grieve over that relationship because I grew up losing so much. Now any kind of loss feels like a big loss because it reminds me of all the loss I had. And that's just something that I dealt with and as I began to pray Lord search me this stuff started coming to the surface and I've talked about some of this as a pastor dealing with some of these things coming out of high school but I remember the day whenever I prayed a really dangerous prayer and I said God would you search me and and I had a great youth pastor that used to he was a monster I mean he'd run mountains and he'd run a hundred mile marathons with snowshoes on and then he'd come to church he'd do that over the weekend and then he'd come to Monday night prayer and he would just have he'd walk in like this because <laughs> he ran a hundred miles a hundred miles on snowshoes I don't know who does that but he did it and he would come in and he would just lay in the back of the church. And it taught me that no matter what you're into, no matter how awesome you are, no matter what you like to do on the weekend or where you go and what activities you do, there's nothing more important in his life, my youth pastor's life, than being at prayer on Monday night. If he, he came in and he had blisters on his feet and he would walk in like this, but he would make his way over to the corner. And sometimes I didn't know if he was laying there sleeping or if he was actually laying there praying but he was laying before the Lord either way okay but what he taught in this young man is that prayer is the most important thing in your life and I began to be empowered by that and I started thinking wow I can talk to God for myself I can have a prayer life like that where you have activities in life you have things that you do but when it comes to praying to God when it comes to getting serious with God when it comes to getting desperate with God if there's prayer time I'm there if there's a time I have with God God, I'm going to show up because that is more important than anything else in my life. No matter how good I am anywhere else in life, I need to be in God's presence in prayer. And I need to pray some dangerous prayers when I'm in his presence. And so I began to pray and I, 
I remember growing up with that kind of leadership and I began to run mountains just like he did and and I took second place, well, almost first, but second place in the last race that I ran in Alaska. It took me six and a half hours over two peaks. On the second peak, when I came down the second peak, I got into this stream that was ice cold and my legs were locking up and I literally had to sit down in the water and give myself like an ice bath in the water to get my legs to stop cramping so I could start running back up the backside of the last mountain and you know I don't know why my youth pastor decided to encourage me to run mountains but maybe it was just so I could understand how how much the human body can do and even so even more so I would come back to church and I would even though I admired all the things he taught me I admired seeing him worship God up front and one day all of that came to a head and I said God if you want my life I'm gonna pray a dangerous prayer and I, my mother played piano right over here. They had one of those box pianos. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the big rectangle piano. And she could play the piano and you could pass a book underneath her hands. I was like, I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad. This is how her arms went when she was playing. And she was up there playing the altar call. And I just walked over right in here. And I just knelt down. And I prayed the most dangerous prayer I've ever prayed. And I said, God, if you want the rest of my life, I don't know how good I'm going to be. I don't know how well I'm going to be. I, I don't even know if I could be a good pastor. I don't even know if I could be a good, a good person all my life. But I give you this moment in this dangerous prayer. And I give you everything of me. And at that moment, right in that corner, I can go and I can walk there right now, Lindsay, because I can just get on a plane and fly to that church, that little church, and I can kneel down right where I was at. And I remember a tear falling off my face and wetting the red carpet. And I remember that spot from this day because that is the day I surrendered everything in a dangerous prayer. And from that point on, God has led my life. And what's the takeaway? He'll do the same for you. David knew whenever someone accused him that if he just went and got into a place of dangerous prayer with God, he could say, Lord, search me, know me, find any wicked way in me. So that's the next part here is that he, he said, reveal, reveal or search my heart. And then he said, reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. How many know you can't trust anything that has not been tested? Would you want to get in your car and drive it if it's never been tested? Would you want to get on a plane and fly someplace in a plane that's never been tested? Absolutely not. Trust comes from things being tested and proven. And when we get tests and trials in our life, it is not God trying to beat us up. (laughs) it is God literally offering us the chance to be trusted with more power in him. And when you get in those trials and tribulations and you begin to pray prayers, those are dangerous prayers to the enemy. Dangerous prayers. And so there's something that David deals with. He said, know my anxious thoughts. And know what I'm afraid of. God, you know. Test me and know what I'm afraid of. And I'm not, for us here, I'm not talking about like snakes and spiders. (laughs) Some of you cannot kill a spider to save your life because they they just trip you out. I am am the man of the house. 
every time a spider shows up, I get to run in and kill the spider and be the hero. Um, but some of us, you know, like they have, if you've raised children, there's boogeymen in the closet. Have you ever heard of that? Something under my bed. And you know what? Every time I go and check the closet, I'm always ready. So if you're that guy in the closet, just know I'm cocked and ready for you every time. So come on out. <laughs> I'm going to get you. But I'm not talking about those kind of fears. I'm talking about real fears in life. Like, what if I get stuck in a marriage that's not going anywhere? What if, what if I get stuck in a bad marriage? What if I, what if I get rejected or I have, what if I, what if I fail? That's a huge one. Anybody ever been afraid of failing? Oh, that's hard to admit, isn't it? Some people are afraid of failure. Some people are afraid of success because then you don't know who your friends really are. Do they like you because your money? Or do they like you because they like you? You can't tell who your friends are when you get really successful. Money has a way of messing things up. So some people are afraid of failure. Some people are afraid of success. Some people are afraid of intimacy. Don't get too close. <laughs> I, I only like people at an arm's length because I can control the relationship. Some people are afraid of the unknown. They don't know what could happen. Some people are afraid of loss. That was me right here. I was afraid of loss. So what fears do you have? Do you know what fear reveals to us? If you're thinking about your fears right now while I'm speaking, what fears you have, do you know what fear reveals to us? Fear reveals this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. What we fear the most reveres, uh, reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Do you fear losing a marriage? Do you fear that you can't trust God enough for, to, for him to hold your marriage together? Do you feel like sometimes you have to kind of like corral and, and keep your kids safe because if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it and you run the parent flag up the pole and I'm the parent and I got to put, and, and you're slapping like three layers of protection on before you put on the rollerblades to send them out in the drive. Have you ever seen these kind of parents? You know what I'm talking about. It's just those people that are super overprotective of their children. But what if it's just because they don't trust God with their children? They're fearful because they don't trust God to take care of them. Not having enough. Anybody ever had that fear? Not having enough, not God not being your provider. Is he not able? Oh, man. I You know, in talking with Betty, my friend over here, I have seen more experiences and watched more opportunities for faith to fall apart in her life. And every time we get to talk, it's always God is able. God is, is still on the throne. God can do this. And we've seen a lot of things happen. Even words of wisdom come through her now that she's been through a trial and God trusts her with more. It's interesting how she prayed some dangerous prayers going through cancer. And now she truly believes that God is her provider. God is a way maker. And she believed that all along. But I just think that it was really a testimony to me because I was able to then dig deeper into my own fears and things that I didn't even know were there. But they were in my heart. And, and I began to ask God, search me. And what happens is when I began to reach down into myself with this this 
dangerous prayer, I noticed that there were some roots of things and that I had a fear of failing. Anybody ever have that fear? I just talked about it for a second. A fear of failing. But it really, it wasn't a fear of failing because as I began to let the Holy Ghost work on me, as the Holy Ghost does and wash over me in prayer, as I prayed this dangerous prayer this week, I noticed that it wasn't just a fear of failing. It was a fear of letting people down. I didn't want to let people down. Have you ever been there before? Felt like you couldn't do it because you're afraid you might let somebody down? And really, as I began to work my way through it, I realized that it was an overall fear of feeling like I wasn't enough. Like I couldn't, I wasn't inadequate enough. I was inadequate. I wasn't enough to do it. And sometimes when I'm really honest with you right about now, Maybe you find yourself in my story. And I'm hoping you find yourself in a dangerous prayer this week where you say, you know what, God? I love pleasing you more than I love pleasing anybody else. Because that's what will release you from fears of feeling inadequate. Those don't have power over me anymore because I began to realize I can't please anybody. I began to realize as a pastor, I can't save anybody. Thank God for that. I realized that I can't make anyone live for God. What a revelation. I can't help anybody to figure out what God wants for their life. I have to encourage them into a place of prayer and let God begin to work on them and let God begin to speak in their hearts and minds. And all of a sudden, someone comes up out of a prayer, a dangerous prayer, and says, Pastor, I really feel like God is asking me to do this. And I saw it before, but I couldn't say it because God needed to say it so that they could feel from God his spirit and his presence and they would begin to please God in that and they wouldn't be afraid of anything but they would begin to please God more than fearing failure there's no fear in love I began to wash myself in the word and just say that perfect love has no fear I began to start quoting scriptures and talk about that perfect love casts out all fear and that God has not given us the spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind and I just began to quote these scriptures to myself because I didn't even know it was in me and these fears came up to the surface and I just began to deal with them one at a time just take them out in prayer one at a time and that is the next thing that David said he said uncover my sins See if there is any offensive way in me. In Psalms 139. It's hard to see when you have an offensive way in you. Amen. Talked a little bit about that deceiving yourself. I was driving down Moreland Boulevard and there was two cars in my right lane and there was a car in the far right lane and I was in the left lane. And there was like a silver Passat and a big truck and a little red, little red car. And we were driving toward I-94 and the little red car in the far lane decided, oh, I forgot, I need to be in the far left lane. So the little red car proceeded to cut all of us off 
to get into the left lane. Well, as we were passing the car, I, I went ahead and started to move over because I didn't need to get on the freeway. I wanted to go down Moreland. But I noticed as I began to pass and look, and I looked at the gray car, that the lady in the gray car offered an obscenity to the, <laughs> to the little red car in the form of a finger. And I was like, whoa, she's pretty upset that he just cut us all off. And so as she drives by, she holds the obscenity there all the way by the little red car to make sure that that driver really knows how mad she was. And so then she gets upset, so she moves over into the right lane to go on ahead and shoot ahead of the truck because now she's really upset. And so I'm still in the far left lane, having moved over from the freeway exit, but I'm still in the far left lane on Moreland. The truck is here. Now she's in the far right lane. We get to the next intersection, which is McDonald's and the mall. She cuts all the way across all of us to get in the turn lane to go into the mall. She did the same thing that she was just mad at the other person for doing. And that is how sometimes... We have things in our life we don't even know we're doing. She has no idea that she just got mad and used an obscenity towards somebody and she just did the exact same thing. Isn't it funny how we accuse people and excuse ourselves? And so sometimes we have to ask God, uncover my sin because I don't always see it. And so it's hard for us to pray that prayer, but sometimes you can uncover it by what others are telling you. If two or more people come to you and say something along the same lines, like, hey, you're kind of dealing with this. Maybe you should work on it. Maybe you should see God, talk to God a little bit. You know what the common denominator is and multiple people coming and telling you you might have a problem with this? It's you. <laughs> You have, you are the person. So maybe you could take that thing to God. You might think, I don't, I don't have that problem. I don't, I don't really have a struggle with road rage. <laughs> I don't, I don't deal with having, you know, anger issues. Maybe you could just go to God if people come to you and say, maybe you ought to take care of this. Maybe you ought to look into it. And what if, what if you're possibly rationalizing that thing for so long that you don't recognize your rationalization anymore? Because we do that. We get numb to our own rationalization. I can handle it. I can cope. I know that lady's attractive. I know she always tries to get on the elevator with me leaving work, but it's all right. Yeah, she's flirtatious, and I've heard there's problems in the office with her, but I can cope. I can handle it. Have you ever heard a guy say that? Yeah, famous last words for some men. What about talking about the hurting in your heart? Someone comes to you and says, man, you just seem down on a regular basis. Are you okay? Is there something I could pray about? Is there some way I can help you? And you're like, man, I'm okay. I'm good. And you're putting on that mask, right? And you're just letting people be at arm's length and saying, no, I'm all right. When really you should go to God and say, God, what is in my spirit? Draw out of me a deep thing that I, that I feel like keeps pushing me into a place where I fall into depression or I fall sad on a regular basis and someone's seeing it. Where am I the most defensive? That is often a case of how you know if you need something to pray about. My wife and I, now can I be really plain? Can I be really real? Okay, I'm going on this weight challenge, okay? They have this 
biggest loser thing going on and I'm joining it and I'm trying to, and it's at my doctor's office and they're like, okay, you got to weigh in and all this stuff. And I'm trying to lose weight. And I thought, this is perfect. I can do this. So I had to get this scale that shoots an electric bolt up through your shoe, up through your heel, weighs your body mass and your fat, your body fat and down through the other foot. And then goes back into the scale. Okay. The scale is like 40 bucks. Okay. So I'm pretty careful with my money. Sister Karen, I, you know, I'm pretty careful. I, I pay a majority of our bills with my income. So it's, it's like I'm, I'm pretty, like, pretty careful. So I decide I'm going to spend this money on this, on this, this you know, wear, this little scale. And I bring it over to the cart and I set it in the cart and my wife goes, what is that? And I go, what do you mean, what is that? I'm like, she's like, why, why are you buying a scale? We have a scale at home. I'm like, but I don't have one that weighs my body fat and my BMI, and you just don't understand, and I really want, I, how, you want me to get skinny, but yet you won't let me buy the stuff to help me get skinny. Why is this a money issue? It's a $40 scale. I'm really being transparent. I got super defensive all of a sudden. And really, she was just saying, couldn't you calculate it? Couldn't you figure it out with a calculator? Yeah, I could. But I wanted the fancy scale that measures it for me, you know? That was where I needed to hear what she had to say instead of responding defensively. There was something there. Is that okay? Did I talk about where I needed my... I needed something uncovered... I have an issue with someone looking at me thinking that I'm using my personal money wrong because I didn't know how to use my personal money when I was younger. Everything that came in, I spent it because that was the model put in front of me. But now it's different. I know what to do with my money. But when someone comes to me and says, you're blowing money, my first response was, you don't know how long I had to work to get that right. Don't even talk to me. That was my first response. And you know what God showed me? Need to pray about finances. Need to pray about that. So I'm just giving you some examples. I hope that I'm not too, um, I'm not falling on my sword too much in front of you all the time. But I think this helps. How many feel like this is helping them? All right. Number four, and we're almost done. Number four, lead me. David says, lead me. You can't be led until you lay down. Amen. You have to lay down your agenda, your will, and your way in order to be led into his way. So he says, lead me. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This way is not just a temporary path. It is the way everlasting. Amen. So when I was younger, I would play drums for church. <clears throat> and I was one guy at church, and then I was a different guy with my friends who were, I was going to public school, and they were doing things that, you know, I couldn't do. I I couldn't even do them when I went with them very well because I was too Christian. <laughs> they were like, they were like, try to give me a beer because I would sneak out to a party because I was told that was the thing to do. And I had an older friend that was in the church that said, just sneak out your back window and I'll pick you up. Well, 
doofus me, I didn't think that through. So I just snuck out and I went to this party and I held one beer the whole night because I couldn't stand the taste of beers. It's just like, blah. So I had one beer the whole night and people are falling over themselves and people are getting so drunk and people walking by going, isn't this a great time? And I'm like, and one guy's over the banister throwing up outside. And I'm like, this is a great time. This is what you guys call fun. And there's people in the restrooms because they need to be in there because they have alcohol poisoning and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And, and I'm standing around going, why did I come here again? I don't know why this is fun but i i get back to church and the next week i just play drums because that's what i did it wasn't who i was it's gonna hang around i think for a while brother reese and then i got real serious with god and i said god would you take the fake out of me fake is over amen for some of us, if there's any fake in you, you need to lay it down today. You need to pray a prayer of God, lead me out of where I've been, where there's maybe friends or influence or things that are drawing me away from God and let my eye be fixed on you. Give me a singular heart. Let my heart be driven after God. That's why David, in all of his mistakes, was still loved so much and given so much by God because he was a man after God's own heart. He was after God's heart. He, even making mistakes, still found a place where he could pray these kind of dangerous prayers. And in releasing his whole heart to God, God said, there is a man that I can use and I can empower and I can make a great warrior and a great worshiper out of because he not only knows how to fight for me, he knows how to worship me and how to lay things down. David knew what it was like to repent and to say, God, I don't want to be fake anymore. I don't want to be fake anymore. So I came to God in a very real prayer meeting and said, God, I don't know if I'm really that fake. You know how you do. You know, I'm not really that bad. But God, would you help me to really be pure in the way that I try to live for you? And I stopped lying to myself that day. And I stopped denying the truth um, because denying the truth doesn't change the facts. The fact was, I was living two different lifestyles. Amen? And so coming out of high school, I had to go into like two weeks worth of fasting to take my heart, which wanted to go different ways, and hone it to going after God. And so that was my entire focus. And I stopped lying to myself that day. And whatever you discover from this prayer, as we prayed this prayer this week, whatever comes up in your heart, I want to ask you, if it reveals X, Y, Z, whatever it is, would you somehow ask God, Lord, lead me in a way everlasting because that path my heart wants to go on is destructive. It'll take me away from you. Would you stand with me today? I don't want to be led away from God. I want him to search me. I want to know, I want him to know my hearts. I want him to test me. I want him to know my anxious thoughts. I want him to deal with any fears in my heart. I want him to point out anything to me that offends him. I don't want to offend God. Amen. 
And I want him to lead me along the paths of everlasting life. You have to know that there's two things most important to you whenever you're talking about giving God everything and having him search you because things will come up. Things will draw to the surface and you'll see, hey, I'm kind of, I'm kind of not good there. Or I've made some mistakes in this area and it's in my past, but you know what? I do need to confess it to God. You can lay some things down here at this altar today that you may have been carrying in your heart that God shows to you. And you can confess it to God and he'll forgive you. Because confessing to God, here's number one, is how you get forgiveness from God. But the scripture talks about confessing it to others in the church. And it's a careful thing what you confess, but when you confess to God, you get forgiveness. But when you confess to others in the church, you get healing. It heals you. Something inside you heals up. And I'm afraid there's so many people walking around with wounds that never healed because they might have confessed it to God, but they never made it right with their brother or their sister. And maybe you have had some wounds that have hurt you. Maybe you've had someone say something, maybe even a preacher, God forbid. And if it was a preacher, can I stand in the place of that preacher and say, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us, the the role, the ministry of the pastor? Would you forgive anyone that has hurt your heart, that has stopped you from going deeper with God? And if you'll forgive me, just forgive that person, whoever that was, and God will heal your heart. He'll mend you and make you new. But if you would go to somebody and say, hey, I'm battling this, I'm struggling with this, that accountability that comes from that heals you and helps you to be made whole. I don't have any great stories in that area as far as how God healed me, but I do have moments of healing on a regular basis where God continually just keeps reaching into me and pulling out the good things. I think when you're looking at the way that God works and you're looking at how God uses people, that we have to understand that it's not just a sermon here today, but this is where we launch some dangerous prayers in our life. Would you lift a hand toward heaven and bow your heads at the moment, at this moment and just be in an attentiveness of prayer as I begin to ask God to touch your life and and maybe together we could just pray this prayer together would you just pray search me oh God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting you do that you make it available for others to do the same last thing a friend of mine came to me not long ago and said I'm really struggling with something it's a neighbor it's a difficult situation And this friend shared with me in that moment that they were dealing with 
different emotions, feelings like they needed to do something different. And, and I'm being vague, but I told them, I said, if you just pray and seek God, God will turn it all around. And that person came here and laid in the ward room and just began to pray in our world room. It's the first miracle that I know of that's come out of our war room. And they just came here and they just laid in the back and they just wept before God and said, God, don't want to move. I don't want to change everything. But would you just change it? Would you do something? Got in the car, went home. The snow was falling. Person was outside shoveling when they got home. And they're like, oh boy, I got to walk by him. Here we go. And as the person got out of the car, they had been in some dangerous prayers with God. And as they got out of the car, God spoke to them and said, offer to help. So this person went over and said, hey, see your shoveling. Would it be all right if I grab my shovel and help out? And this guy who has been belligerent, this guy who's been difficult, this guy who's been, you name it. He turned to him and said, are we going to finish this then? <laughs> you and I would have thought, okay, get ready. Here it comes. He said, are we going to finish this then? And he apologized. I said, I mistook you. I misunderstood you, what you were. I'm telling you, dangerous prayers change everything. And so today we see the answered prayers that they waited almost eight months for, maybe even a little bit more. And that friendship has been mended. And he said he's looking forward to cooking out with them this summer, looking forward to doing some fun things with them, where before he was just malicious. But God turned it all around, Sister Carla, because somebody got on their knees Somebody prayed a dangerous prayer. The prayers don't just change you. They change everything around you. Bow your heads with me, Jesus. Change our environments. Change us. Make a difference in us. I want to open this altar. If you have felt at all the tugging of the Holy Ghost on your heart, I want you to make a move today. You may not be able to pray all of this prayer. You may not be able to pray, test me, God. You may not even be able to pray, God, I want you to deal with my fear, deal with my fears right now. But you can say, God, you know my heart. Would you heal anything in me? Would you find a place to pray right now? I don't know what prayer you need to pray. I don't know who you're dealing with on the job. I don't know what financial situation you might have. But if you take it to God right now, I believe we are going to hear miracles come out of this series. This is going to be an anchor moment for you. A life changed around you. Your life changed. The changes of life around you. I really believe that right now. Lift your hands or lift your heart. Come and kneel at the altar. Surrender it to God right now in this moment. Everything can change for you. And everything can change for your children, for your sons, for your daughters, for anybody right now that has come against you. You can turn their hearts around. They might be your best friend next year just because of the fact that you prayed a dangerous prayer. What if we change our world by changing ourselves in prayer? Jesus, help us. This altar's open. Please come. Please respond. If the Holy Spirit's pulling on you, don't wait. We don't have tomorrow. 
today is the day of salvation if you would if i've reached for you at all if i've touched your heart at all today would you come and pray to god and ask him help me today change me uncover my sins lead me in jesus name